0: The Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go, Chargers, go. What's up, everybody? Good to see you guys again. Remember us, I'm Garrett, Jamie, over here. Say hi to the people. Hi, everybody. I know it's been a while since we went live, probably our last after hours. And so uh, we wanted to go live, and training camps coming up. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So we're going to. This week we're going to do break down the defense and uh, all the camp battles going on on the defense side of the ball. Next week, I don't know what day, probably same day, same time maybe, we will do offense and special teams because we got a lot to talk about on the defensive end. And uh before we get into it, just want to give a big shout out to Coach Lane who uh one of our newest members of Patreon. Thanks so much for joining. And there's a link in the comments guys if you guys want to join Patreon with us. Uh we're having a lot of fun over there. Discord is about to be off and popping. So uh, thanks everybody that signed up and uh, we're gonna get into this very soon. Let's do it. Okay, I I was hoping you would kill a little bit more time, but thank you Jamie, let's just, no, let's do it. Why (laughs) mess around? We've been gone so long, let's just do it. All right, so we're gonna work our way from the inside out. So we're gonna start with uh, interior defensive line, go edge linebacker corner safety. We'll go over everybody in every group heading into training camp. So Jamie, let's go ahead and start it with the interior defensive line.
1: Yeah. So obviously IDL was arguably the biggest weakness on the team last year um, as a group. And they, the chargers went about trying to fix it. They were pretty aggressive in trying to fix it. Uh, They made one move that I think a lot of people predicted, which was adding Sebastian Joseph day, somebody who we know is a lock to make the roster day is, Probably going to play a lot of nose tackle, rotated nose tackle with, uh, uh, with Austin Johnson. And he is one of the, he has been at least over the last couple of years, one of the elite run stoppers in the league last year, he had, I think three or four sacks in seven games before he got hurt. So he was starting to show up as a pass rusher as well. It was jo- Joseph day. So we know Sebastian Joseph day. He was a guy who was popular among charger fans because of his familiarity with the scheme, his familiarity with, um, with Brandon Staley. They went out and they did that, and they added somebody that we both liked when we were reviewing uh, defensive linemen, and that was the aforementioned Austin Johnson, somebody who had a career year last year as a 27-year-old. He seems to be coming into his own, another guy who creates pressure and gets to the quarterback up the middle. He's not you know, what you would call a prolific pass rusher, but he does provide pressure. He can get to the quarterback, and he is. He also has established himself as one of the top-tier run defenders on the interior defensive line uh, in the NFL over the last couple of years. So at the very top of the group they've obviously improved that group quite a bit you would expect those guys to be on the field more often than not based on what they're being paid and 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 the needs that this team had and then after that the group has some question marks um Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's it looks deep based on the number of bodies that they have here on on the roster but you know not a lot of there isn't a lot of talent that stands out. Uh, the other addition in the off was Morgan Fox. So I forgot to mention somebody who yep. can provide some interior pressure. He can play a little bit of stand-up edge, play some, some five technique if you need him to play a little three technique if you need him to. So there's some flexibility there, but other than that, you know, they brought back Christian Covington, a guy who I think played a lot more than what the team expected last year or had hoped when they signed him mm-hmm. and he was up and down. I think he wore down quite a bit last year based on the, the number of snaps he had to play. Um, and he'll, he seems like he's probably pretty much a lock to make the roster. And then you've got a bunch of guys fighting it out for the last two spots. Um, I think, you know, uh, recent draftee Otito Ogbonia, he's a guy who is more than likely going to make the team just based on the fact that they just drafted him. And then you've got guys like Joe Gaziano, Braden Fehoko, Andrew Brown, um, all kinds of guys, uh. Jerry Tillery,
0: Ferris Morrill, Forrest Merrill,
1: Forrest Merrill, (laughs) Ferris (laughs) Morrill,
0: Ferris Morrill.
1: All those guys fighting it out for what I think will more than likely be the sixth spot on the interior defensive line. After all the issues they had last year, they being the Chargers uh, with depth on the defensive line, I would be surprised if they only roll with five guys. I think they'll probably roll with six. And I think just based on some of the comments we've heard coming out of, out of, uh, Mini camp and things like that it, it seems like there's a legit competition for that last spot and whoever is going to get that spot is going to have to earn it and win it they're not just going to hand it out <clears throat> jerry tillery <clears throat> <laughs> um but that's that's kind of the overview of the group
0: yeah
1: um and it seems it seems like they're better at the top and still a little bit thin at the bottom
0: yeah but uh, before i i go on let's just Say hey to everybody. Craig, what's up? Our good friend Craig. Blazing Bolts, hello. Jamie, you want to tell the people who's playing center field for the Padres right now?
1: That's Esther Ruiz. <laughs> he's one of their top prospects. He's a guy who has been tearing it up in single A and double A um, all, all season. I think he's got 60 stolen bases across both leagues so far. He's kill been killing the ball, getting on base, hitting for power. And obviously, the Padres outfield sucks. So they yep. are trying to find whatever they can. To fill some holes until some guys get back or they can make a trade.
0: You think this has anything to do with Grisham's uh angle to the ball the other night on that triple in center? He's had a rough couple of weeks, to be <laughs> honest
1: with you. He's been really bad out there, taking some bad angles, making some bad decisions to dive for some balls. So he's he's been rough.
0: <laughs> really rough. So what's up, Tom, Craig, Blazing Bullets? Appreciate you guys. Yeah, so you know, Jerry Tillery, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Morgan Fox. And then the rookie, Abonia, uh, are all pretty much close to locks. And uh, I put an asterisk next to uh, Jerry Tillery because uh, you were talking about how he's got to earn his spot. I mean, he could easily be replaced by one of these other interior guys if they beat him out in camp. The guys like Christian Covington, Joe Gaziano, Brendan Fajoko, Forrest Merrill, Andrew Brown. I mean, the Chargers declined Jerry Tillery's fifth-year option this offseason which lends you to believe that he probably won't be here past the season. So if you want to get a jump on it and maybe give some of your younger guys some more snaps and some more development, you could you know, cut Tillery a year early if you wanted to. But um, in terms of those other guys, Christian Covington, he was a veteran leader on that young defensive line. But like Jamie mentioned, wore down towards the end of the year, was nothing more than a limited role player. Brendan Fajoko, Forrest Merrill, were some young guys who kind of flashed at times. Merrill made the 53 only because they were lacking so many big bodies in the middle last year. So uh, he's not a lock. And Andrew Brown was picked up last season and played in two games just as a rotational guy, but didn't make much of an impact. And of those guys on the depth chart, Joe Gaziano probably has the best chance to crack that 53 of these younger guys really took a jump in 2021 Uh, could be one of those last guys to fill an interior role Uh, versatile enough to play some edge like he did in college. So, you know, the team kept five defensive uh, interior linemen last year. So if you think uh, SJD, Austin Johnson, Morgan Fox are all pretty much locks, you know, the rookie uh, Tito, they drafted him knowing that he's going to need a year or two anyway. So even if he just stinks up camp, they're not going to cut bait that early. So that's four guys that you can pretty much guarantee are going to make the roster. And then it's Jerry Tillery. Who's going to have to fend off Covington, Fahoko, Merrill, Gaziano, Brown for that fifth spot, because quite honestly, we'll get to it in a little bit, but They went so heavy on DBs. They went all in this offseason on DBs. They drafted a lot of DBs. That that might be the spot that they carry an extra corner safety on that end, and they're gonna have to cut somewhere. So, do they add a seventh? Do they keep six? You know, we'll see when they go to the season. But um, again, you know, and I and Gaziano also part of that group too, who could uh, slip in there for versatility sake. But it's really gonna be Jerry Tillery's job to lose here in camp, and a lot of these young guys can. Overtake him if they play well enough in camp.
1: I, I don't know that I would say it's Tillery's job to lose in camp, just because with what uh with what Staley's been saying, it sounds like they're look they're finally seeing him for what he is. And they recognize that he has not done enough to earn a spot. And they're talking about him being, I mean, this is pretty much a direct quote from from Staley from early in, in camp. Uh they're talking about him basically being quote, you know, one of those guys who's going to have to fight to, to earn his spot on the team to show that he's an NFL player. So that kind of tells you how they're viewing him. And then, you know, you talk about him not being at, at, um, OTAs early on. Mm -hmm. And I know some people wrote that off as, oh, he trains in Hawaii. It's too far to come over for a couple of days. Well, most of the team was there and he was the only one who wasn't not, not the only one, but he was the only one of the only healthy veteran players who was not there. And I think if I recall, you have some information from your source who kind of talked a little bit about, or maybe referenced Tillery a little bit, right. About oh. not being there kind of expressing some frustration that team, yeah, it, not being
0: there. Basically an eye roll emoji was the gist of it all. He was just, just annoyed by the whole thing. So he, he obviously was not happy and it was not something that they had planned out. So yeah, that was not a thing that, uh, the team had known prior and, you know, he trained on his own and who knows what his, you know, real motive was for not showing up. But, uh, yeah, I got, I got the eye roll emoji on Jerry.
1: (laughs) And he, didn't he also reference kind of bringing in other defensive linemen to try to replace him? or at least get him off the field at some point during this, the off season.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you see how many players they picked up. They There's no guarantee that he makes this roster. No. And yeah, Staley mentioned how he's going to have to earn his role. And so uh, with everything rolling into they they're looking to take him off the field. Uh, they obviously are not happy with him not showing up. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. I mean, you know, uh, maybe, Maybe you're right. Maybe his job to lose is maybe an overstatement, but uh, a former first-round pick you'd think have the leg up, but it doesn't look like Staley's going to give him that, uh, give him grace on that going into camp. Yeah, I don't um, think
1: he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. Um, uh-uh. And I think the really interesting thing is, what is the one thing that, Dil- that Tillery does at even an average level? It's Rush the passer, right? And who did mm-hmm. they sign after the draft? And what does he do well? Morgan Fox. Mm-hmm. He rushes the passer. He's an interior pass rusher. So there's some overlap in terms of skill level and value there with Fox and and Tillery. And I think it really comes down to. uh, So for me, I think, I really think Johnson, Joseph Day, Covington, Ogbania, I think those guys all make the team. So that's five guys right there. And then I think you're looking at, like you said, Gazayano, Fejoco and Tillery battling it out for a possible six spot. Mm. And it comes down to what do they want? Um, they kind of replace the pass rush ability that Tillery has with Fox. So are they comfortable rolling with Fox in that, in that situational pass rush role? And are they going to look for somebody who maybe is a little bit better run defender, somebody with some size who can help plug up the middle? If that's the case, then maybe you're looking at a guy like Braden Fajoco, you know, mm. or are they going to look for somebody who is always doing the dirty work? And you know, brings his lunch pail, so to speak, every every game, and brings energy and effort to that group to kind of redefine what that group is all about. And if that's the case, then I think Gaziano's got a great chance because he can play a little bit of inside. He, like you mentioned, he can play off the edge. He is a high energy, high effort guy. He he brings it on every single snap. And he was the guy when they were when they were struggling to to keep depth on the field last year. He was generally the first guy up and on the field when they were calling guys up from the practice squad. He was the guy that was coming up to fill that spot and getting the bulk of those snaps. So it seems like he's got an in with the coaching staff. We'll see what happens. But uh, if if somebody's going to beat out Tillery, I would say it's probably going to be Gaziano, but I could certainly see Fahilco doing it just from a run-stuffing perspective.
0: So you think that Covington makes it and he's a lock to make the roster? Because I, I think he's part of the... Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, we're going to do our 53s coming up sometime soon, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure we'll do many different versions of that. So uh, let's go on the outside and talk about Edge. So of this group, you got the uh, newly acquired Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa as the starters. Chris, Chris Rumpf is in. Uh, he improved throughout the last year. And Morgan Fox slash Kyle Noy will probably join this group at times, not listed in this group, but, um, you know, Fox will be inside. We'll be able to kick outside. Noy will be a coverage linebacker, also kick to the edge like he's done. So uh, those guys are part of it, but not part of this group that we're mentioning now. The uh, At the bottom of the deck chart is the former six-round pick Emekag Boule, who's been playing kind of... His plays kind of like declined throughout Uh, since he's been drafted since 2019. He's been a special teams guy, hasn't consistently performed there either, uh, but special teams is where he's going to need to make an impact if he's going to earn that kind of fourth roster spot as an edge guy. Uh, They picked up Jamal Davis, who is an interesting edge guy to watch in camp, high-end athlete who went to the CFL, route after bouncing around a few teams practice squads he was a standout for the alouettes as a stand-up rusher he's also got good get off and bulked up as a power rusher and then there is the udfa Ty shelby who's also interesting a converted basketball player plus athleticism he's a snap guesser as a pass rusher and wins with speed he's got a chance to get at maybe one of those last edge spots but uh probably could be a practice squad stash as well because just the lack of depth there you've got jamal davis ty shelby who could easily leapfrog a mech egg boule who's not guaranteed to be the fourth edge but you've got Bosa, Mac, and rumpf all guaranteed spots there as the three they kept four last year do they leave this group a little naked so to speak with three guys on the roster when you know that van noy and fox could rush and you've got three on paper but you know, technically five rushers or do you keep a guy like a Boulay or one of these younger guys, Shelby or Davis, that's going to be a big storyline going into camp.
1: Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how they list, uh, Fox and Van Noy, uh, right Mm -hmm. now, if you look at their, their depth chart on the website, uh, Van Noy is listed as an outside linebacker. So he's technically listed as part of the edge group right now. Wouldn't be too hard to see him going into the season listed as an edge and have them move around, move him around. Um, from edge to middle linebacker to help fill in some gaps mm-hmm. and play some coverage and, and rush the passer there. Um, right now as, as the depth chart looks, it looks to me like you're looking at, you know, Bosa, Mac, Vannoy and Rump as the edge players. I think Jamal Davis is a guy who seems really interesting to me. Six, mm-hmm. four really long. You mentioned he's a high end athlete. I think he, he had a really good RAS score somewhere up around nine and a half. Uh, yeah. when he came out in the draft in, in 2021, um, went to the CFL, came back on a futures deal. Uh, he's a guy who they seem to be really high on. And certainly if they decide they want to list Van Noy as a linebacker or, you know, kind of get creative with how they list him on the roster. Yeah. Davis is a guy who could sneak into that fourth spot, but you would think just based on the way they kind of ran out of gas at edge last year, you know, they had some issues with, with, uh, staying on the field. They had Mm -hmm. some issues with, with uh, a Chinonuwosu at times, you would think they'd want some experience in that third edge spot, uh, which would lead me to believe that Van Noy probably will be listed as an edge. But you know, we'll see. there. are yeah. certainly they're certainly shooting for some versatility, having that kind of amoeba defense where you're not really sure where guys are playing. Uh, you know, flexible roles, flexible uh, positions. So, yep they they could so they could go any direction with. With Van Noy, but Davis is a guy that I would I would certainly keep uh keep an eye on. Just if yeah. they decide to carry an extra, maybe they decide to carry five-edge guys or whatever. That Jamal Davis guy seems like he's interesting just based on the athletic profile and the length and the and the speed, the get-off. It seems like that's something that might entice them.
0: Perfect. All right. Yeah. No, I Davis is very intriguing. And I know people love how much he's how ripped he is. <laughs> All these pictures from training camp, everybody's talking about. Just how big of a shit brick house he is. Brick shit house. Did I say that backwards? It's brick shit. shit house. Bri- yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so you mentioned linebacker. Let's let's move right on to it and let's talk about these linebackers.
1: Yeah, this is one area where they were thin last year. Obviously, they let Kaiser White go. Um, now they've got injury issues with with Kenneth Murray. Yep. They are thin in terms of experience. Again, heading into the season at linebacker and there just isn't a lot of talent, a lot of, you know, eye popping physical ability at the linebacker position right now in this group. Um, And I think one of the interesting things is going to be, how do they view drew tranquil at this point? Does this coaching staff view him as, you know, a starting middle linebacker, somebody who might have the green dot be on the field all the time? Is he just a, a nickel linebacker? is he strictly a special teams player because they're not sure if he can stay healthy, what they decide to do with him and, and the kind of snap distribution they decide to go with, with him is going to have a huge impact on the rest of this group because everybody behind him is a question mark in some way or another. Yep. Um, and it seems like this group was really built not so much with playing defense in mind, but more so with special teams depth in mind, all of these guys, uh, all these linebackers for the most part play special teams you know, you've got Drew Twankel who plays a lot of special teams and is mm-hmm. arguably one of the Chargers' top two, if mm-hmm. not top special teams player yeah. on the team. Um, you've got Troy Reader who plays special teams. He can blitz a little bit. He's had a couple picks in the last couple of years, so he can cover a little bit. Nick Neiman can run. He can cover. He was one of the Chargers' best special teams players last year. Yep, um, And uh, Agba Mimiga, he's another guy who um, – you know, played a lot of special teams. The team seems really high on him. Uh, you know, we were told during during the uh, free agency that one of the reasons that, that Kaiser White was allowed to walk was because they were looking for more snaps uh, from Augment, from Amen. Uh, um, yeah. On just defense. leave that last name alone. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so there's a lot of moving parts there too. A lot of, a lot of special teams contributors, not real easy right now to see who's going to play where on defense, especially with, uh, with Kenneth Murray being banged up and his status for the start of camp, not being certain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We saw in OTAs or reports that, uh, Van Noy and reader were the two linebackers in base. So, you know, in shorts, that's where they were lining up before camp. But yeah, I mean, um, it's gonna be interesting like you mentioned where Van Oy is listed but uh, of this group tranquil Van Oi reader uh Murray gonna make this team I mean Murray had surgery this year so depending on his rehab and you know we'll see if he's ready for camp or the season we don't know uh anything about that yet but you know obviously like Jamie mentioned team really likes Amanagbang Amiga Nick Meeman was excellent on special teams made some plays uh with some increased playing time towards the end of last year. Cole Christensen was a practice squad stash, really a special teams guy late uh, last year. Damon Lloyd amassed a ton of stats at IUP, was kind of brought on as a camp body last year. He returns in 2022 for basically the same role and hoping for some development in year two. And then the UDFA Tyreek Maddox-Williams spent six years at Rutgers which sounds like my college path. Uh, Tyreek actually (laughs) missed the year with injury um, and then lost a year with COVID. So he's got an excuse. And also, um, he didn't spend a ton of time in college because he's a dummy like me. Tyreek won academic all Big Ten five years in a row. So he's a smart dude. (laughs) Uh, He's got a good frame, high motor, uh, smart on the field, but really lacks athleticism and technique. So um, his best spot's going to be practice squad if he can make that but the team kept five linebackers last year, you know, tranquil Noy reader are going to make it, uh, Kenneth Murray. We'll see if he's healthy enough to make that 53, but it's going to be Agbong Amiga and, and Nick Neiman. There, um, could be that four or five spot. And, you know, if they move Noy to technically an edge, they keep an extra linebacker here by keeping Neiman and Onman. We'll kind of see how they kind of flex those players and positions. But, um, yeah, this is a group that's really, really good. And this is your well, in terms of special teams, they're really good. So you've got some uh value there on special teams, but kind of still a little thin uh here in this linebacker group again. And um we we talked about kind of storylines going into the season, and there's probably three main ones, but on defense, it's this group. Uh, this defense, if they can't stop the middle of the field, they're gonna have major problems. This is the biggest weak point right now for the chargers on defense is this linebacker group. And we had one question here from Robert. What about Mark Webb at linebacker?
1: Uh, I think he's going to be playing safety. He might play some dime linebacker. We'll we'll talk about him here in a few minutes, but um, mm-hmm. I he's coming back from a knee injury as well. I don't think he's been working in OTAs or anything like that as yet. So we'll see how he is health wise but I think he's going to be playing in the secondary as a matchup guy more than anything.
0: I, I agree. I agree. I think he's more of a dime linebacker type, but probably going to be safety, maybe a roaming DB there, but yeah, we're, we're going to get to him in a second, Robert. So thanks for the question. Uh, all right. So now we move to the outside and it's cornerbacks. We got J.C. Jackson, the big acquisition. Asante uh, Samuel Jr., Michael Davis, and Bryce Callahan are going to be in rotation as the starters. And then rookies Dion Leonard and Jasir Taylor, who are listed as DBs on the Chargers roster uh, online, we'll see time at safety and corner in camp. They've already talked about that. Uh, The rookies, Leonard and Taylor, were drafted in the sixth and seventh round. So their spots are definitely not guaranteed, but I'm sure the team would like to keep them on the roster if they can or stash them on the practice squad. But either way, uh, Dion Leonard and Jasir Taylor are going to have to fight off these other corners to earn a spot, which are these two guys that are trying to crack the 53, Tavon Campbell and Kamon Hall. Campbell had to fill in on a decimated corner group last year. They were signing guys off the street, so Campbell... It was his turn. They called his number. Uh, he made an effort to fill in at DB, uh, but uh, didn't do very well, and the Chargers went after DB this offseason. So he's probably on the outside looking in before camp. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, the other one, come on, Hall. He's been praised for his work this offseason, his progression heading into camp. So Hall is a guy on the edge kind of here who will need to jump maybe some of these rookies to earn a spot here on the 53. And then the last one of this group is the UDFA Brandon Sebastian, who was the former teammate of Zion Johnson of Boston college. He has a still steep hill to climb in this group in college. He was an average corner, uh, pretty good closing speed and ball skills. He's got really stiff hips, uh, but plays very aggressive. His tackling is hit or miss, but can get there quickly with his closing speed in the run game too. Practice squad is Sebastian's best bet in my mind. So the team kept five corners last year. You've got JC, Zont, Callahan, Davis all in, which means if they want to keep five, you got Dion Leonard, Jasir Taylor, the rookies, and Kamon Hall and Tavon Campbell competing for one, maybe two spots there at corner.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, the overriding theme of this offseason, and they did it on the defensive line and they did it in the secondary. I don't know why they didn't do it at linebacker, but. I guess we'll see how that plays out i think the overall overriding themes here are competition Mm -hmm. and versatility
0: yeah absolutely
1: Uh, if you read if you read you know some of the comments from brandon staley and the other coaches during uh during otas and and uh, veteran camp and things like that they they were talking about how when they took the team over last year there was just no depth and there was really no opportunity to build depth so they had guys who made the team just because there was nothing else there Mm -hmm. and A lot of those guys had to play much more than what they wanted them to going into the season because of illness and injury and guys not playing well and what have you. So they really wanted to build depth, create competition and add versatility um, to the defensive line group and especially in the secondary. And I think when you look at this group, obviously JC Jackson, he's your number one corner. He'll be playing outside. He'll yep. more than likely be shadowing the other team's number one, ride, wide receiver more often than not. And then I think what you're looking at with the rest of the group is really matchup based secondary play. I think you're looking at, you know, Asante Samuel, he gives you the ability to play outside. He gives you the ability to play inside. Mm-hmm. I know everybody wants to see him play outside. The coaches have talked a lot about this off season. They started right after the season was over about how they really think he has the flexibility to play well, play very well inside. So we could see a lot more of him inside in certain situations. Then they go out and they sign Bryce Callahan, somebody who's been one of the better slot corners Corners, in the NFL over Mm -hmm. a long period of time, who can also play outside at times. Um, They still got Michael Davis, a guy who was their number one corner last year. Now he's probably entering the season looking at being the number four corner. Uh, Somebody who matches up extremely well with big tight ends, big Mm -hmm. athletic physical tight ends. He's had some really good games against guys like Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller uh, in the last couple of years, somebody who maybe you don't want him on the field all the time, but if you can find matchups for him against certain players and create advantages for the defense, then that's something you might want to look at. Um, and then from there, like you mentioned, it's, I think it's pretty much wide open. Uh, you know, you've got to Taylor, a guy who can play slot. He can play outside. He can probably play some safety. He has some return abilities. He was a guy who averaged over 26 yards, a kick return in 2021. Um, and they've been, they've had him playing gunner in OTAs and he's reportedly done very well there. So he offers special teams ability, mm-hmm. a guy like Dean Leonard, who was a late round pick, little bigger corner offers you some length. He's a good athlete, you know, reading about how he's looked in OTAs. He's a guy who's gotten his hands on some footballs in OTAs broken up some passes. He's been very aggressive in coverage. Um, then you've got Tavon Campbell, a guy who the coaches raved about last, last year in camp, somebody who they said had a huge motor and they were so excited about how good he looked in camp. Mm -hmm. And to be fair to him, you know, he didn't play well last year, but I think he also played a lot more than what they would have liked for him to play in a brand new scheme last year. A lot Mm -hmm. like, a lot like Covington, um, just, I think played a lot more than he was meant to play. So he was put in some tough situations, had to play outside. I mean, that Minnesota game with him trying to cover uh, Justin Jefferson. Jefferson,
0: brutal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and
1: that wasn't the only one. There were some other rough games too, some bad no. tactics. So, um, and then you mentioned Kemon Hall, a guy who was third on the team in, in special team snaps last year and can maybe play a little outside, can play some inside, add some special teams value. Maybe they try him at safety. You said they've been raving about how he looks in camp so far. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy who could work his way up, entering his second or third season on the team. Second, second season on the team. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, and Campbell's entering his third season on the team normally and with past regimes, somebody like Campbell probably would have been a lock to make the roster. I mean, that's probably the, the main reason why we saw, um, Brandon face make the team so many years in a row was because he was there and he was a veteran and he was handed the spot.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the
1: coaches don't want, these coaches don't want to hand spots to guys. So yeah. Whoever wins that fifth spot is going to have to earn it. My guess is it's probably going to be Jasir Taylor, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was a guy like Kimon Hall because of the special teams value um, and because of the progression he's shown so far in the offseason.
0: Yeah. Yeah, This is they're going to have a hard decision to make with this DB group. There's They're going to have to be creative in how they keep these guys, especially these younger guys, if they decide to go with a guy like Campbell or Hall on the 53. So – Alistair asks, and what's up, Alistair? Saying hey from Australia. Um, Do you see a scenario where Leonard Taylor both make the final 53? I would say that if... Sorry, Jimmy. If oh, uh, if he, they keep making plays on special teams and they can replace Kaman Hall's spot on special teams, I think that's an easy decision to make. Uh, not guaranteed because of how late they were drafted, but you know they want to be able to keep them somehow. So if it's... Keeping them on the 53 and then moving them to the practice squad a little bit later, like some teams do when they want to be tricky and keep their players. I could see a definitely a scenario where that happens, but um, yeah, I it's it's possible. There's it's a kind of an even hot. I know Campbell and Hall are the veterans, but to me, this is a pretty even field here between Leonard, Taylor, Campbell, and Hall.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's entirely possible. I could see a scenario where. I think there might be one or two spots to play with on the roster on the 53, just based on how they, how they shape out with, you know, running back and quarterback and some other positions. Mm -hmm. So if there's an extra position here, there, I mean, with all the attrition they had at cornerback last year, it would not surprise me in the least if they decided to carry six cornerbacks, at at least to start the season, just to see how it played out. Even if they only carry five, uh, it's a, it's a possibility.
0: Yeah. And and just for argument's sake, Deion Leonard, Jasir Taylor listed as DB. So obviously there's some the team sees some versatility there in both those rookies. So if they just see Campbell and Hall as corners and they've got, you know, a spot or two left open and Taylor and Leonard are more of the versatile corners, and they can pitch in on special teams, that might give them a leg up on the 53. So the next question before we move on to safeties, Jamie, is What's your current sentiment on Michael Davis's contract? Is it too rich for a high-end CB three and or four?
1: Uh, They're not going to cut him. He's due something like $10 million this year. And I think like eight of it is guaranteed and has already been paid for the most part. So they're not going to cut him. And I think the other thing too, is even though he struggled at times last year, I think there's still a spot for him on this roster because of his ability to play against larger, more athletic tight ends. Some of those Mm -hmm. matchup nightmares that you see, and maybe take some heat off of Derwin at times in in that role. So I, I, he's going to make the team. I think he he's pretty much a lock to be the number four corner. I think he'll be on the field less, uh, less than he was last year, but probably more than people expect going into this year and they'll probably start him off small and hope that he can kind of evolve into a larger role, uh, that it's just hard to walk away from size and athleticism like that in a corner, especially Mm -hmm. when you've seen him play at a relatively high level in the not too distant past. That's just, that's a hard thing for coaches to do, especially when your defensive coordinator is a former corner or a former defensive back. So he's going to make the team. He's going to be cornerback four probably heading into the season, but I think he's going to be deployed as more of a matchup weapon is my guess.
0: Yeah, no, I don't I don't think he's getting cut either. Uh I thought it was a fair deal when they signed Michael Davis. And and I think even to this day, it's not even for a CB4, I think there's no real point in cutting a guy when you have a high-end depth piece there, uh matchup piece that you can play in nickel and dime. And I I absolutely love the idea of having JC Zont and Callahan as your starters and base, but in nickel and dime, having Michael Davis roam around the middle of the field with that size and athleticism. I absolutely love that idea of having him kind of as that, that fourth DB off the bench and being able to cover tight ends or hanging with, you know, some slot receivers near the middle of the field. I absolutely love that idea. So, um, no, I have, I have no problem with that at all and they're definitely not cutting him. So, yeah.
1: And I think if you look at his deal and you look at how, um, Other, you know, cornerback three, slot corners, cornerback threes are paid. Most of those guys are making nine or ten million dollars a year for the most part. So he's I think he's in a even though it seems like a lot of money for a guy who struggled last year, I think he's in a reasonable slot price-wise for what they're likely to get out of him.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. So uh we got one more. Oh Alistair just wants to say have to jump off, unfortunately, has to go back to work, keep up the great work, legends. Thank you. See you on our show soon, Jamie. You can join the show soon, their podcast. Yeah.
1: July 25th, I think.
0: Ooh. All right. You guys got a date. Great. Okay. Let's, uh, we got one more question. We'll win the show with that one. Let's go ahead and move on to safeties, Jamie. Let's talk about them.
1: So this is another group that was kind of thin I thought going into the last year, um, but it seems like they've really focused on trying to build it out. And again, creating depth and versatility and competition. So obviously they're going into the season with a healthy Derwin James, which is a huge plus mm-hmm. Um, Nasir Adderley is a guy who I thought showed some growth last year. He was in position to make some big plays, came up just a little short on a couple of interception opportunities, <sighs> um, but was right. I mean, played played balls beautifully and just got out jumped or maybe mistimed his jump a couple times and just barely missed a couple big plays.
0: Terry Um, McLaurin just signed a new contract and they kept replaying that highlight of Nas right over Terry near the sideline of that game last year. Yeah. And going right through his fingertips. And I'm like, how does he, I still, after the 15th, 16th, 50th watch, I don't understand how Nas didn't come up with that, but yeah, always in position.
1: And there was another one, I think, against the Cowboys, if I'm not mistaken, where somebody went up over him in the back in the corner of the end zone and brought one down. He was right mm-hmm. there, played it perfectly. So
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: he yeah. was he was right there. And I, I, you know, I had one of the biggest knacks on Nas last year was just not last year that but uh going into last year was really that he was a terrible tackler. Mm-hmm. You could not count on him to be a tackler at all. Um and him as the last line of defense was pretty scary. Yeah. But Last year he became one of their better, more physical, more reliable tacklers. Yeah. He showed a lot of flexibility. You know, we a little talk bit about of an the time enforcer. About, yeah, yeah. He became an enforcer. We talk all the time about Derwin, how he can play pretty much anywhere. I think the guy could play corner if you needed him to. He definitely can play slot dime linebacker. He can play both safety positions. I think you could put him at middle linebacker, even at his size, and he'd be pretty, pretty productive. Uh and Naz has some similarities. I mean, he's not Derwin, obviously, but He's a former outside corner. He can play some uh, slot for sure. He can play some dime linebacker. He can absolutely come downhill and chop somebody down as the last line of defense. And I think his playmaking skills are developing. So, you know, having that one, two punch at safety is really nice. Gives you a lot of versatility. And, you know, I mentioned the Amoeba defense earlier in the show, uh, having got two safeties like Derwin and Adderley gives you the ability to really move guys around and create some confusion about who's doing what and where they're lined up yep. just because of the fact that they can play so many so many spots and mm-hmm. Naz is a guy I wouldn't mind seeing him play more more, sl- more slot he's mm-hmm. a guy who I've been saying for a couple of years I thought he was best suited to playing slot I like him in short zones he's quick he's got good hands really good ball skills so looking for another step up in his game hopefully i uh, Nasir Adderley Then you talk about JT Woods, a guy who you know, we initially didn't like to pick very much when they took him in the draft, went back and watched. He's a guy who he's long, he's rangy, he's got explosive speed. He catches the ball when it's thrown in his area. Mm -hmm. He's shown a willingness to be a good tackler. He's not a good tackler yet, but he's not afraid to hit people. Um, I think there's a lot of versatility there. It sounds like they might think he can play some corner. I'm not sure that that's ultimately what he's going to do. But it sounds like at least initially he's going to play some deep safety when they're bringing uh Derwin down into the box and moving him around a little bit, looking for a playmaker back there. So he's a guy who is a a third round pick. He's going to make the team and he's Mm -hmm. probably going to play a lot. I'm sure he'll contribute on special teams and play quite a bit um, on defense. And then you've got Mark Webb who was drafted last year, had a knee injury, wasn't on the field very much. You know, I think they like him. He's a, he could play too high I don't think he want him playing single high too much. Uh, he could play some slot, play some dime linebacker, certainly contribute on special teams. So some more versatility, some more competition there. And I think all those guys push a guy like Alohi Gilman a little bit further down the depth chart, a guy who played a lot last year, certainly flashed, but wasn't consistently good all year. Uh, again, a, like a Campbell, like a Covington, a guy who probably was asked to do a lot more than what they thought they would need mm-hmm. him to do going into the season. Had his Mm -hmm. moments, but just I I don't think he's athletic enough to play where they've been asking him to play. And I think adding guys like Webb and Woods and Adderley, I think it makes it easier to maybe keep him on special teams a little bit where he belongs and maybe have him play some dime linebacker, but not have him play deep so much. I think that's Mm -hmm. kind of asking a lot of him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we know Derwin Nas is back. Rookie, actually, JT Woods has been making a ton of noise in minicamp. He's had three to five interceptions between rookie minicamp and OTAs, apparently. So he's uh, making a lot of noise, uh, doing the best he can with his opportunities so far going into camp. And then you got Alohi Gilman and uh, Alohi Gilman and Mark Webb, who made the team last year. Webb has been an unknown with all his injuries. It'll probably be his last chance to prove he can play, really, and stay healthy. And Gilman had an expanded role last year, made a crucial interception to beat the Chiefs. But like Jimmy mentioned, probably played more than he should have last year. Uh, ben DeLuca was a practice squad stash last year. Going to try to probably do the same since this DB group is so crowded. And then they also brought in two UDFA DBs, Skylar Thomas and Raheem Lane. Skylar Thomas transferred from Washington State to Liberty last year. Uh, 152 tackles, six interceptions at Washington State. Didn't let up at Liberty either. 54 tackles, two interceptions, a forced fumble. Uh, really undersized, but is a feisty DB. Might be able to carve out a role in nickel sometime. Uh, but aiming for a practice squad spot for sure. Uh, Raheem Lane played both safety and corner. Plays with good instincts. Lasts the athleticism, which was a big part of his move from corner to or from corner to safety. Uh, Lane is a really good run defender, especially in the open field. Again, another practice squad candidate, especially with his versatility. So, if the team kept four safeties last year, and you know Nas, Derwin, and J.T. Woods are making the team, you've got Gilman and Webb kind of fighting out for one, maybe two safety spots there. And to be honest, neither Webb nor Gilman have a guaranteed spot in my mind.
1: No, I mean, Webb has only been on the team for a year and they did this coaching staff did draft him. So you would think they'd want to give him an opportunity to show what he can do when healthy. Um, and they, I mean, they had the green dot on his helmet at times. Last, last camp. He's a guy who they, they were treating him a lot like Chris Harris last year. He was playing slot, playing both safety positions, playing some dime linebacker. Uh, it seems like the coaches like him. I, I don't know that he has a guaranteed spot, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, one year after being drafted, I think he'd probably have to be pretty bad to get cut uh, yeah. and not make the team. Uh and Gilman is a guy who was drafted by the previous regime. You know, he's he's that Notre Dame team leader, academic star you know, the, the choir boy, the boy scout that the Tom, Tom Telesco loves. I, I've never been a big fan. I, Mm -hmm. I, he should not have a guaranteed spot and it sounds like they're really pushing for competition up and down the roster this year. Mm -hmm. So hopefully somebody pushes him and he really has to earn his spot. Um, but I think just right now, just based on, you know, his tenure on the team and, not knowing too much about some of the guys behind him. I think honestly, he's probably got the inside track right now, but it'd be nice if somebody came up and pushed him and and forced him to at least earn his spot.
0: Yeah. Webb probably having the leg up on uh, Gilman at this point, probably heading into camp with only one year under his belt, but uh, let's get to these questions and we can close this out Uh, real quickly. Robert Medina. Does the Derwin, does Derwin get extended before the season? Uh, Well, we know, well, uh, we know, Jamie and I know that, uh, Der- and I guess everybody in Discord knows that uh, Derwin had surgery, and the team is currently waiting for training camp to see how it does, how quickly he can get back, and if he can get back to 100%. If everything checks out, then a deal is coming before the season. If there are some uh, holdbacks on that hiccups, holdbacks on that injury, then it might take a little bit longer to get that deal done. But it is, nearly on the table at this point uh the next question is from edward jamie long time lightning round podcast listener first time stream watcher edward thank you for watching appreciate it who in your opinion has the potential to be the most frustrating player to watch on defense (laughs) um
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh i'll give you I'll give you, well, I would say Tillery is probably. Yeah, the, yeah.
0: I was going to say who other than Tillery, because Tillery's the answer. Yeah. Who's Tillery's number two? <laughs> um,
1: uh, other than Tillery, I would say, well, Tillery and Kenneth Murray are the two easy answers. Yep. If yeah. If they're healthy and on the team.
0: Now it's going to be my second. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty easy answer. Uh, all right. Tom says it's fourth and five, the game on the line. Who are the eleven you are putting on the field for this defense?
1: Uh, let's see. Who uh, can we go? Let's see. I'm gonna go. Obviously, we're putting Bosa and Mac on the edges. Yes, that's uh, two. Yep.
0: Yeah. That's I'm an easy go one. Go
1: with Johnson, Joseph, Day, and Fox.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's five.
0: I I agree with you there. Uh, and then linebacker is inc- going to be the hard one.
1: I'm inclined not to put a linebacker on the field, but Woo-noy! I'm going to say, I'm going to say Kyle Van Noy. Okay. At linebacker.
0: Uh-huh. So that's, that's six, right? I think that's Bosa, seven.
1: Bosa Mac, Uh huh. Joseph day, Johnson,
0: that, Johnson, Fox and Van Noy. Okay. That's six. That's six. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: And then I'm going to go, obviously, Derwin, Adderley.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's eight. Yeah, got three
1: more. That's eight. And yeah. then I would say... JC... JC...
0: Asante Samuel.
1: Asante Samuel.
0: And then who's your last? DB.
1: Hmm. That's a tough one. It'd be a toss-up for me between... Davis
0: and Callahan
1: and Callahan. Uh Uh-huh. Tough one. Yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm going Callahan.
1: I knew you were going to say Callahan, so (laughs) I'll go Davis for matchup purposes.
0: So, and Tom says only five DBs. You thought you'd go more
1: he was probably figuring mm-hmm. we would only have two down linemen. Yeah, look at the pass rush.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really really like the idea of having man. Yeah, I really like the idea of having Austin Johnson in the middle with Fox and SJD on either side. Bosa Mac obviously. I was kind of debating having Tranquil, but Oy makes sense probably the best coverage linebacker at that point point. and callahan i would want in the slot more than davis i think
1: i think in my scenario you'd probably have davis outside and asante in the slot but davis for matchup
0: oh oh gotcha you, gotcha you. okay michael davis gotcha okay all well that does it thanks everybody for watching uh make sure you subscribe to the podcast and we appreciate everybody Join the Patreon. We're having a lot of fun over there. And we will see you next time.
1: Thanks, everybody.